This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi Williams, and this is the Grease the Lamp Post Sports Business this podcast, The Sportacast. I don't get it. <laughs> this is a Phillies reference, Scott. When the when the Philadelphia Eagles made their run to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, fans were climbing lampposts after games, after games that the Eagles won. And now when Philly sports teams do well, they the city greases the lampposts to try to make them harder to climb, which I don't know if you saw any celebrations from Philadelphia over the weekend, but the, uh, the grease is not working. Fans are still finding their way up the lamppost, but uh, an unexpected uh, World Series showdown, Scott, between the uh, Phillies and, and maybe a more expected Houston Astros. Okay, but before we get to the World Series and before we even get to what I want to start with our Invest in Sports event, whose brilliant idea was the grease the lamppost? Because if you say to me <laughs> what we're, and in essence, what you're saying to, uh, let's say, rowdy celebrators is that what we're going to do is make this even more of a challenge for you to get to the top of this lamppost and maybe pull them down and break them. I mean, if you learn nothing from Tennessee, where they are carrying goalposts out and destroying the the field, ESPN said it was like a seven-day process to get the field playable again. If you learn nothing, that highlighting it and making it, and and frankly, issuing a public challenge to those who would... uh, would climb said lamppost just doesn't seem like the way to go. I saw videos on Sunday morning of people that they, the city workers were, were had like the Crisco and they were using big, like painters, extended brushes yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. To, to get as high on the post as they could. And you're right. I think a lot of people, celebrators in, in Philadelphia on Sunday night took that as a challenge uh, to show that despite the Crisco, they could find their way up there anyway. I see like a tough mutter. Thing where like the, the four <laughs> are on the bottom, climb. they got the two on top, and then the one on the top is pulling the next person up. And come on, sit up here with me. That, that's what I see. You can anyway. do the couch burning for West Virginia fans. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. The whole thing. All right. So b- before we get to the Phillies and the Astros, and I did not know about that, that lamppole stuff, great. Uh, I wanted just to touch on an Invest in Sports conference that we had in New York last week because 
man, I mean, what a lineup. And to be both in the room, and I was popping in and out, talking to people everywhere. I mean, just think about if you, if you want to have a conversation about private equity in the world of sports right now, and you were in uh, our room there, you, you had Ian Charles uh, from Arctos, Badatic Bali from Clear Lake, and Jerry Cardinal from Redbird. Then if you want to hear about real estate, and we all know like these are 10 poles. It's, it's about private equity. It's about finance. It's about real estate. It's about media. I mean, what, who better? Then Sam Kennedy, CEO of the Red Sox, you know, they have the whole development around Fenway Park. Stephen Jones, the star is amazing uh, as an offshoot of the Cowboys brand. Jeff Wilpon, Sterling Project Development, working on teams on the board of Titletown. Um, and, and my favorite was watching Lindsay Vaughn. She opened up and discussing her partnerships. Uh, you know, kind of, I liked her talking about the Under Armour shrink it and pink it and saying, hey, Kevin Plank, this isn't good enough. Like, we've got to do more for, for women's apparel and how that relationship blossomed. And oftentimes, I'm not going to say with us, but oftentimes at these conferences, you'll see speakers stay around for about five, 10 minutes and then bolt to watch Lindsay work the room for hours afterward, understanding that this is the world she now inhabits and that this can help her career, help the off-court or the off-hill uh, persona and brand. I thought it was absolutely fascinating to watch. Love the entire thing. Yeah, I agree with you. So many of the biggest themes in our industry. Many of them are ones we've talked about on this show. It feels like weekly. You had some of the biggest stakeholders in the industry talking about those exact things. I loved hearing David Blitzer talk about, he's now, we believe, the first person, only person to ever be invested across all five major U.S. leagues to talk about those deals relative to to the ones that he worked on uh, in, in in his other life and 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 how sports deals are different than other types of private equity deals. There, there's a whole bunch uh, in there. I learned a lot both in the room and outside the room. Um, and, and yeah, I think it's uh, I think I think events like that are, are obviously great for us, Scott. I think they're good for the industry as well. Yeah, and we should say that uh, alongside Blitz was Angie Long, Kansas City Current, doing pretty well going to play in the championship game of the NWSL and also another female owner, Michelle Kang. It was uh, of the Washington spirit. The first, I believe she said it was the first sports business thing she'd done publicly. And, and not to pump our tires too much. A lot of the people there have, have been guests on this podcast as well. So uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it, it was a good testament again to, to, to where things are in the industry. And I also think a good testament to, to, to the things that we're doing here at Sportico as well. All right. Speaking of, of, of happenings now, the world series, the New York Yankees, Swept. Didn't see it coming. Didn't think they'd beat the Astros, but didn't see it coming. So you've got the Astros, not the hugest market, but certainly an appeal with all that's gone on there and the sign stealing and still people either love to hate the Astros and the Phillies. Nobody saw the Phillies. You had this expanded playoffs. They were kind of last in. Bryce Harper with the dramatic home run. You, you certainly have storyline in Bryce and that team, uh, but it is not Yankees-Dodgers. It is, it is not... Uh, Red Sox and Giants, you know, pick, take your pick. Uh, your take overall on the appeal to the casual sports fan of Phillies and Astros. Does it cut through? Uh, I think it's kind of tough. The, the, the one thing the Astros do, by the way, the fourth World Series in six seasons for the Astros. I mean, that's, darn, that's, that's a darn good baseball team. In, in my mind, I think of this, this maybe the past decade of Major League Baseball as, as the Dodgers era, but make it a pretty good case for it being the, being the Astros era instead. I think the one thing the Astros do provide partially because of the sign, the sign stealing that you referenced, they have a uh, kind of anti-hero ad quality to them. And I do think as, as you know, very well, 
if the if the Yankees were in this World Series, there'd be a lot of people rooting for the Yankees watching, but there'd also be a lot of people who were rooting against the Yankees who would also be watching. Yeah, I say the for, Yankees are Howard reason. Stern. Uh, the Yankees are Howard Stern. It's the people yeah, love him, both. listen to him, and yeah. then there's people who hate him, and then there's people who just want to see what he says next. So it's a it's a large audience. For a lot of diehard baseball fans, I think the Astros kind of occupy a little bit of that space as well. I think there's going to be a lot of people rooting for for the Phillies here. One thing I will also say about Philadelphia, and I and I kind of joked about it at the top there with the grease the lamp holes. It, it just seems kind of fun when, when when Philadelphia teams are going are doing well. Just the way that the city embraces them, the way that the kind of the swagger that players play with. Also, Bryce Harper seems to be embodying this right now. Uh, I do think that there is a a fun aspect to the, the Phillies making it this far uh, that baseball sorely needs and is is really benefiting from in this run. So I, I think the the matchup is in some ways maybe nice because you get. Again, this anti-hero and this team that, that genuinely seems very fun to root for and people who are, are fans seem to really be enjoying. But this is, you're right, this is not the Yankees. This is not the Dodgers. This is not the Mets. There were a lot of ways I think these, these playoffs could have worked out for Major League Baseball and getting, uh, and getting the, 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 the Astros and the Phillies maybe isn't the, isn't the best result. But from a network perspective, we have talked about this before. Whether Seven it's Major games. League Baseball, <laughs> this is not about matchup. Exactly. This is about games. The worst thing, and I don't care if you have Yankees-Dodgers, a sweep Yankees-Dodgers is worse than seven games Astros-Phillies. It's the number of games that are played. And uh, you know, my focus group of one, we were down in Hollydale, um, New Jersey, which right, you know, maybe right 10 minutes from Philly, the Brent yeah. Franklin Bridge over the weekend. I'm telling you, everybody was talking. That's it. Everybody was talking Phillies. Every single person was talking Phillies. And did you notice, by the way, maybe something that, Casual viewers don't realize was maybe something a little bit different. But after Harper hit that eighth inning home run, did you notice that Fox had an interview in the dugout with him? Like I didn't um, see that. I wasn't watching the game. Yeah. In-game interview in the dugout with Bryce Harper. These are the That's kinds awesome. of enhancements, broadcast enhancements that we kind of reserve for streaming services now or the alt cast or whatever it is. Uh, really good to see that network is understanding that they've got, they've got a, a let's use a, a sports room. They got to up their game. 100%. This is the kind of stuff that people want. I, I love the camera in the base, um, but this is exactly the kind of thing, the enhancement that people want to see. Agreed. I, 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 I want to mention the Yankees very briefly, Scott, because you and I spoke two or three weeks ago about the, the incredibly successful season, regular season that Aaron Judge had and what that might mean for his free agency, what it might cost the Yankees or to, to keep him or if he would walk. How much does that conversation in your mind change, if at all, uh, coming off of a, a great regular season and then a, 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 a postseason that I think he would call and most Yankee fans would call a disappointment. Uh, not much. If you yeah, were, I, yeah, I, I if I you're agree. looking at the calculus of how a player impacts the bottom line of a Major League Baseball team, you're talking about brand awareness. You're talking about ticket sales. What it, what is it worth to have a you know a one rating versus a point nine uh, on your on your RSN the Yes Network. A lot of that is attributable directly to Aaron Judge. Like people, people were tuning in to see Judge. Now, do I think he's going to make a, a run at sixty-three next year? No, I don't. Mm -hmm. I do not. Uh, but it's not just about wins and losses. But there is calculus to be made now on his age, uh, any any slip in production at a certain age, and you know, long-term deals. How far out are you willing to go? What makes sense? I don't believe. And what do I know, you know, from an analytics and baseball perspective here? But 
I, I do not believe it's a no-brainer that you bring him back if the ask is so many years out that obviously there will be diminishing returns. I, I typically downplay the, the 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 pressure or the perceived pressure that that fans have in in big decisions like this. I do think that that maybe there's an argument for this being a, a bigger thing for the Yankees in this scenario than it is for for most teams, given that Aaron just walked his way into baseball lore and also obviously Yankees lore. Uh, and, and in some ways I, I can, I can see an argument where fans would have been so hot if they had not been able to sign Aaron judge on the heels of a very successful regular season and postseason, And that maybe things change a little bit in, in, in the way that the, the Yankees season ended. But I do think on the whole, I do think I agree with you. I don't think this dramatically changes one where Aaron ends up or two, how much money he's getting paid. All right. Also, something that did not change. F1 is sticking around with the Walt Disney Company and ESPN and Plus and streaming. Uh, a nice increase, about 17x over the previous deal. The interesting part to me is Amazon, once again, was involved in bidding. From what we hear from Anthony Krupe, they were offering more money. But F1 understood the global platform that is Mickey Mouse and what it can do. Uh, at a time when they are exploding in popularity in the United States. It was announced shortly before the Austin race. They've got Miami. We've got Las Vegas coming up next year. F1 poised for a big promotional push. And if you just sort of look at the arc of what's happened to the NHL when they left in, what was it, the Outdoor Life Network way back when? And then yeah. NBCSN. Versus and, Network. You know, <laughs> Gary has made mention of, you can tell the difference uh, when you go back to ESPN. You know, not sure he he would do it all all over again the same way, but there certainly is huge prom promo push, and these doesn't seem as if F one F one was looking to uh, to risk any diminution in audience. Which, by the way, while exploding in popularity, Netflix we know Drive to Survive, it's not like they're drawing ten million a weekend. Yeah, it, it, it is not the biggest audience, but it's now how do you manage to reach more people? I think that last point, Scott, is, is my big takeaway here. The, the money, it's uh, it's $85 million a year, three-year deal, so about $255 million. It's really not that much. For, for the amount of buzz that I feel like F1 got, and maybe this is echo chambery in, in in the sports media circles a bit, the amount of buzz that F1 on the wake of of the success of the Netflix show, the, the success of the, the first event down in Miami, the announcement of what's going to be happening in Las Vegas in the coming years. There seemed to be so much attention on it. $85 million a year is, is really not a huge amount uh, of money on a media standpoint. The, the average race, I believe, in Anthony's, in Anthony's column here drew about 1.2 million viewers on ESPN. Just for reference, that's exactly the same number that watched Wisconsin and Nebraska, the NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship on ESPN2 late last year. Um, there's just not, yeah, to me, I think it's a, it was a good reminder for me that, that despite all of the growth and all of the optimism and, and, and the parts of F1's business that I do believe are really booming from a popularity here in the U S standpoint right now, it is not a massive television property right now. No, NASCAR has a much bigger audience, but the way, key is way, way bigger. Yeah, yeah. But the, but the key is right now. If if I'm F1 again, and by the way, three years is not a long, long term deal. There are you can do ten year broadcast contracts if you want to. This is three years. Let's see where we go with Disney, and let's see how the streaming picks up, and then we look ahead and say, okay, what are we? Where are we? Who do we need to reach? And might Amazon or Apple be a good partner in some 
uh, fashion three, four years from now. But it's just about where is F1 going, not where it is right now. Another property, Scott, that, that does about that viewership. The MLS Cup final last year drew just under 1.2 million fans on ABC. And, and, and MLS just chose the opposite thing that F1 did. With the highest bidder, from what we understand, on the MLS side being Apple, they chose very excitedly and willingly to, to jump on the Apple train and do the exclusive behind the streaming uh, platform approach. And that's obviously the opposite of what F1 wanted with, with Amazon, as you said, being the highest bidder and, and choosing instead to stay with the partner that they knew. Um, and this is it's good for ESPN also. They're, they're paying so little right now, Scott, because they essentially got it more or less for free on, on the heels of NBC giving up those rights. But it, to the extent that F1 feels as though ESPN's promotion was, was a part of helping it gain some of this, uh, s- some of this business growth, maybe there was an aspect of, of trying to be loyal to the group that you've been with uh, for a bit as well there. Well, speaking of that Apple MLS deal, um, we had Commissioner Garber with a one-on-one conversation with George Pine of Bruin Capital at our Invest in Sport. And I, and I got to tell you, if I'm the traditional broadcasters, Seeing Apple uh, with all that cash they have on hand, and Amazon as well, but listening to the commissioner discuss what his meetings are like with Eddie Q and the other Apple executives Mm. and how they intend to integrate soccer into almost everything that they do in the Apple universe, the watch, the app, Apple Plus, Apple News, News, the the way that they are going to immerse soccer into that universe with obviously a tech familiar tech friendly younger audience that might scare a little bit of the bejesus out of me as a traditional broadcaster for that's a 10 year deal right that was a 10 year deal a decade from now something tells me well i mean this is an obvious one but the universe is going to look markedly different and as as latency in- issues get fixed and as sports betting matures and you can have sort of this no delay on a streaming service and live betting kind of what i think is going to be the michael rubin world the one screen with the event with the e-com with the sports betting and who knows what a maybe a fourth component might be all in one place with maybe social or social be the second screen by by that point uh man i i i every time i watch my focus group of one grab his phone and watch an event and he's on the xbox with his friends I, I really do. I just sit and I watch to see what they're doing, how they're doing it, which platforms he prefers. Uh, it's really, really something. So this is an interesting question, actually. So we've talked in the past couple minutes about kind of the ancillary things that Apple provides a group like MLS and the ancillary things that a group like ESPN provides F1. If you strip away the the basic product and audience. So so take away the fact that that Apple Plus only has X amount of subscribers and take away the fact that ESPN has a cable network with 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 Y subscribers. Who has the better ancillary other things pitch in your in your opinion? Is it Apple with a, a, a phone that is obviously in the hands of tens of millions of Americans and the biggest platform uh, podcasting app and a huge news service and all those other things or is it ESPN with uh, the website that most Americans probably go to first for scores and other things, uh, and a, a, a series of shows like SportsCenter and and First Take and all that that, that that draw tons of viewers as well. Whose kind of peripheral product pitch do you think right now in 2022 is a better one? 
let me let me rephrase what I think you're saying. Who do I want really angry at me? Jimmy Pitaro or Eddie <laughs> Q? That's that's what I think you're asking here right now. Here comes the both. <laughs> yeah, and no, I'm going to give you a, a little bit of duality. I'm not going to okay. say both. Yeah. I'm not going to say both. Um, again, right now, right now, ESPN. Mm-hmm. It's such a default for sports fans. It it is such a default. However. If I'm MLS, I want to reach the current soccer fans, and I also need to create new ones. Like the folks who go to ESPN, I'm not sure. I mean, they're going for a specific reason. They know what they want. And if it's soccer, great. I'm not sure you're building new soccer fans at ESPN. I think you are building new soccer fans in a, in a, in a demo and in a group of people who inhabit the Apple universe, where they maybe don't have the touch point, didn't go to ESPN, and say, oh, what's this? What is this DC United versus NYCFC? They take, I mean, I, I think it's going to be almost impossible in that Apple universe to miss it. That's It's going to be front and center. You're going to get a sample. Now, whether you stick with it or it's something you want long-term, that's up to MLS and, and Apple to make happen. So with my kid, his default is not ESPN. It's him every single time he wants to watch something. And I think I told you this a while back when we were driving home from from a hockey tournament in New England. He wanted to watch or listen to or watch a game, whatever. And old fart me put on the AM radio station. I'm searching for the broadcast, and he had it. Some some YouTuber was live streaming it on Twitch or something. That's amazing. He, he had it on his phone in five seconds watching it. And it, it just struck me as like, man, I'm an idiot. And I should know this. Of course I should know this. But I just couldn't believe the speed with which he found it. Yeah. And I, it worked. I, I don't know if you would know the answer to this, but if you were sitting at the at the dinner table tonight and you were like, hey, Jackson, who's winning? What's the score of this hockey game? Would he find that on social media? Would he find that? Would he open the ESPN app? That's what I would obviously do if someone no, asked me. No, like, he laughs every time. I, every time I go to es, I go ESPN.com league scores. That's what I would process. do. Or I would just Google ESPN NHL scores and, and go right he to, may, to he, it. But yeah, he he'd probably Siri it. Like, interesting. Or yeah. find it. I don't know. Frankly, I'm gonna. I don't know where he'd find it, but he's got a spot. But he would do it outside of you. I do three yeah. steps. He's got one. Whatever that one step process is. He's got it, and I've got three. Yeah, so. I think that's I think that's really interesting. And and going back to a point you made a little while ago, th- this F one deal is is for three years. So in, in, in before two thousand and twenty five, F one has the option to revisit what a company like ESPN is offering versus what a company like an Amazon or an Apple might offer. I think if you're MLS and you clearly wanted or maybe valued a ten year deal, I do think it, there's a bit more tea leaf reading you have to do to sign a 10-year deal in this industry than if you're just signing a quick little three-year rights deal and you're ready to, in, in two years, start renegotiating that contract once again. Well, who do you think pushed 10 years? Do you think it was MLS or do you think it was Apple saying, uh-uh, we'll do this, but it's got to be 10 years? I think it was Apple. I think it was Apple as well. Yeah, for Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right on that one. Right. Yeah. So if, if you're the property, I love out, you know, out clauses be great right now because who knows what the world is going to look like? Who knows who else is going to jump in? For sure, it, the, the the pace of change is so rapid that to lock yourself in for a decade, there's got to be a damn good reason to do it. And for MLS, it was money. And we're going to see this conversation happening. It's already happening a bit in college sports right now, as a lot of these conferences are out there looking for partners, whether they want to do the three-year deal and, and, and bet on 
themselves and 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 their own place within the co- the conference and and college football specifically ecosystem or if you're a conference that is maybe in a tenuous position maybe trying to get as big a deal as you can to lock yourself into something there's a lot of interesting discussions happening right now in college sports about how long conferences want their deals to be all right we all know that you're not happy with the state of the economy and your 401k (laughs) is going down so you're going to liquidate everything and you got you you're going to make some investments here i know this you know novi williams is looking to put his capital to work true or false Major League Pickleball has reached out to Novi Williams and said, I'd like you to cut me a check for X because we want you in on the next franchise. You are cutting that check or you are not cutting Oh, man. I am, I am definitely not cutting that not check. Not cutting the check. Why setting, is that? Every, all the smart people are doing this. it, no? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how ranty, how, how big the soapbox is that I want to step up onto this. Everybody is doing it, Scott. Major League Pickleball has has sold franchises or investment slots to Tom Brady, LeBron James, Drew Brees, Mark Lazary, Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, a lot of those people are better investors than Eben Novi Williams. I am fully aware of that. Uh, I am just totally baffled by, one, the idea of competitive pickleball, which I don't know if you've played before. The sport was literally invented to make it a bad competitive sport. Like that, that is the, the, the genesis <laughs> of the thing is to make it so that people at very different skill levels can play without a really marked change in the competition. Um, and, and two, I'm feeling, and again, this is, this is the ranty aspect of it. I'm feeling kind of frustrated that like, why can't pickleball just be a fun thing that people like to do? It seems like every time something like that pops up, everybody descends on it, trying to monetize and make everything more valuable. Try, is it the data that we're trying to get? Are we trying to make this a professional sport? It honestly feels, and, and I did not think of this myself. I saw someone on Twitter make this comparison the other day, and I think it's right. The, the buzz that was around esports five or six years ago, which was, this is really popular. People like to do it. Now we need to carve it up and, and, and figure out the way to professionalize it and make a ton of money out of it. And the truth is that a lot of people have lost a lot of money in that esports bubble, maybe a little bit too severe, but a lot of people overestimated the, the, the way in which something that is extremely popular, video games, uh, maybe doesn't exactly translate its way and maybe shouldn't have to translate its way into leagues with teams and franchises and investors and multi-million dollar platforms and things like that. Um, I am very bearish on pickleball as a as a professional sport. There's there's three leagues right now, Scott. Major League Pickleball, well, we definitely the need Professional Pickleballs yeah. Association and the Association yeah. of Pickleball Professionals. Um, but even that, beyond that, I think that to me, pickleball just feels like this thing that is extremely popular and now everybody that has an eye towards investment, just wants to try to squeeze and monetize the, the, the every last cent out of it. And I'm just not convinced that that's the way this is going to roll. All right. Well, I am going to plug John Wall Street. You know, Corey wrote a column for today on how Major League Pickleball, as a hedge against the game, that it's also a SAS play, that they have a way to rank players and you can find opponents of, of equal stature so that there's technology behind it as well, not just investing in a sports league yeah. to be determined. We shall see. All right. He is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Sashnick on the Twitter at Sashnick. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. No trumpets or music needed this week, Matt, but we thank you anyway. Digital media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will soon become the Sportico Media Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 